For those of you who don't know me, my name is Rob Sowers. I am pastor of Luther Memorial Church in Fond du Lac, and it's my privilege to bring you the word of God this morning from Luke chapter 12. We'll read verses 49 through 53. Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So far from God's word. It's quite a statement, isn't it? Jesus announces here to his disciples that he has come to bring division, not peace. You know, when we think of marketing ourselves, whether it be individual congregations or maybe, you know, just the CLC in general, we wouldn't really do well going with a theme like the Church of the Lutheran Confession. We don't bring peace, we divide. I'm not a marketing person at all, but I'm not sure that would work real well. Yet Jesus, the good shepherd himself, that's exactly what he's saying here. He hasn't come to bring peace, he's come to divide. Listen to these words again from verses 52 and 53. For from now on in one house there will be five divided against, there will be five divided, three against two, two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. How can this be? This is the same Jesus who tells children to honor their parents. It's the same Jesus who tells parents not to exasperate their children. It's a problematic statement. How can it be true? What Jesus says in verse 51, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Isn't Jesus supposed to be the prince of peace? That's what Isaiah 9 verse 6 tells us. And didn't the angels proclaim at his coming glory to God on the highest and on earth peace? That's what they said. So how does that fit with Jesus here, the words that he says? Is Jesus saying here, I've come and my master plan is to stir up so much strife that everybody hates everybody else? Clearly that's not it. It's not prescriptive. He's not prescribing what he has come to do, but he's describing the effects of what he comes to do. Jesus, of course, came to proclaim the kingdom of God, to welcome all who believe in him into his kingdom. He comes to proclaim repentance and forgiveness and life and salvation. He comes to defeat sin, death, and the devil, all those enemies that come against us comes to freely give his grace and life and salvation. He comes to to even give that faith for us to believe in him. The problem, though, and this is where the division comes in, the problem is that not everybody is going to believe. Many are going to reject him. Some will believe, some won't, and so we are going to see division. It's not that Jesus wants it, but it is the reality 
of what's going to happen. Jesus brings division. But you know, if you think about it, that division that Jesus brings, it really is something to be thankful for. If Jesus never came, there would be one thing that mankind was absolutely united in. United in being unforgiven. United in being on our way to hell. We would have that unity if Jesus never came. But because Jesus came and he died and he rose again for us, all who believe in him have eternal life. We're divided. We're set apart. Separated from death to life. It's a good message for us to hear today. A message about unity and division. No doubt, as our political process starts to heat up, as we look forward to, maybe not look forward to, another presidential election, we're going to hear a lot of talk about unity and division. And the devil has a field day with lies to us about these topics. He makes unity all about tolerance, about agreeing to disagree. The evil one persuades us that sin really isn't all that bad, and so it would be wrong for us to call anyone to repentance. And so therefore, if someone comes along and is bold enough to call sin a sin, that is the person that is dividing everybody. That's the kind of thing that's to be avoided so that we can all be united. That's what the world teaches us. When divisions and troubles are evident, then the devil comes with another lie for us. He argues that peace is achieved when we grow up, when we accept each other's sins, when we accept each other's lifestyles, not when people are reconciled and forgiven on the basis of God's word. Our society, of course, has seriously bought into these lies, and so we shouldn't be surprised then when many people will ridicule the church and say that the church is responsible for division. The devil will use this in your life to make you think that your membership in the church is something that's causing division because he wants you to be divided away from Christ. And so he's going to use this to try to accomplish that. The world, of course, argues that all sorts of sinful practices and immoral lifestyles are good, be it abortion or fornication or homosexual behavior. As a church body, of course, we continue to proclaim God's word, to warn people about sin, to call people to repentance, because we want them to be divided away from sin and death and darkness and divided to be, to be separate, to be God's children. And for that desire that all people come to that knowledge of the truth, we face ridicule, not just from the world outside, but maybe even from other church bodies. No doubt you have heard and will continue to hear criticisms about the CLC, that we are just too conservative. When you hear those criticisms, though, think of what you're being told. You're being told that because you stand on God's word. And for that, we gladly bear that ridicule as we, again, seek to do what Jesus calls us to do, to seek and save those lost ones to show them the way to be divided away from sin and death. We know that Jesus has divided us away from sin and death. We know that he has set us apart 
to be his holy, forgiven children forever, not because of our good works, but, because, but at great cost to himself. Listen to what he says again in the first two verses of our text. Jesus says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. He came to cast fire. And you know what fire does? Fire purifies. That fire was not yet kindled when he spoke these words, but he looked forward to that point when that fire would be kindled. It would be that baptism he would undergo that would kindle that fire, that baptism of fire at the cross. On the cross, he bore all the sins of the world. On the cross, his distress was infinite because he was divided from his father, forsaken by his father, so that we would never be divided from him. He suffered God's wrath and died for our sins so that we might be purified. And for his sake, we are forgiven. For his sake, we are set apart for life. So where we hear that Jesus divides, we rejoice. Rejoice that you are divided from death and hell. Rejoice that you are forgiven of all of your sins. Rejoice that you are set apart as God's holy child for eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen. We'll close this morning by singing together hymn 514. We'll sing stanzas 1, 3, and 5. 1, 3, and 5 of hymn 514.